0: Once again, for the Everybody Trades Podcast, and I am in a fantastic mood, and who am I by the way? Well, I'm John Miller, your friendly neighborhood trader, speculator, arbitrageur, yes, all of those fancy words. I'm all of those things and so much more, ladies. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm married too, forgot about that part. Oh, I'm feeling very silly today, obviously trying to be light because, frankly, I'm a little bit annoyed with a Supreme Court decision that happened last week. Yes, while everybody focused on Anthony Kennedy and the coming vacancy that was sure to be filled by one Donald J. Trump, I'm still focused on sales tax collection being flipped on its head because that's the kind of exciting life that I lead. These are the things that I worry about. So what exactly am I blathering about here? Well, specifically, South Dakota versus Wayfair. And Before I get too deep into this, let me give you a little example of how we generally have thought life has worked in America, at least in my lifetime. See, when you go out to the mall, you go out to a store, we're talking physical stores here. Let's forget about the internet and mail order for a second. Let's just talk about traveling into a store and buying something. Most of us have generally begun to accept the fact that we have to pay sales tax on just about everything. We may not like it, but we've accepted that it's unfortunately a necessary evil. And when I say unfortunately, I think it's unfortunate that we've accepted it. But I digress. I don't want to get off on too big of a rant here. The point is, we've accepted it. And we've also accepted that when you go into different cities and into different states, you might have different rates and in fact you almost certainly will have different rates of sales tax collection now the fact that there are competing states and competing jurisdictions municipalities cities towns etc 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 is actually a good thing it's actually a great thing in fact written into our constitution is the fact that states are supposed to compete with each other, and they aren't supposed to, not just not supposed to, it's unconstitutional for them to lay tariffs upon each other. What this allows for is for competition between states. Part of this is in the 10th Amendment. If you're a big 10th Amendment person, you'll be, you'll be feeling this right now. The idea that states are competing against each other sort of keeps them in check. That means you can't go with a 100% tax rate, or maybe even not zero either. You know, you're going to have to have some kind of middle ground, or at least that's the theory. At least that was our founder's idea. Or, frankly, if you go to the zero percent, if somebody tries a no-tax state, then they'll suffer either the benefits and or consequences of that decision. What people do not expect, and if not at all accepted, but are about to get shoved down their throats Is that when they travel to another state, they expect, okay, this state, say New York City or or Chicago, a place that has a little bit higher of a sales tax. You're on vacation and you accept, okay, I'll I'll pay a little bit more for that. What you don't anticipate is that you're going to get double taxed. You don't expect to get taxed by your home state, from where you came from. If you came from Missouri, you don't expect Missouri to be able to pick your pocket as well as the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. That you don't expect. Well, this is a new world that we're about to enter after the decision, potentially at least, following the decision of South Dakota versus Wayfair. You see, in ruling for South Dakota... The Supreme Court is, in essence, saying that they can collect, or that any state, I should say, has the right to collect taxes from businesses that exist outside of their borders. They do not have a physical presence in the state, but essentially, the Supreme Court has said, guess what? You have the right to collect these taxes. Now, Wayfair, which you might be aware of, is generally a large furniture company, You might think, well, this is horrible news for them. The irony is, for companies like Wayfair and Amazon, it actually might be a slight boon for them. You see, these are already large, established companies. They aren't going to have to, well, they are going to have to bear a different cost, a higher cost, but they will much more easily be able to absorb that cost than a smaller company and certainly than a company that is yet to start up see the younger you are and the smaller you are in scale the, the much more difficult it is to be able to absorb these different costs you see whether you believe in state taxation or not it's undeniable that complying to any sort of state tax collection is is a cost now if you add in 49 other states and then other municipalities as well because, frankly, if you're going to say that states can, I'm not sure why other local municipalities can't – where's the standard that they can't collect taxes from places outside of their jurisdiction as well. I don't know where this ends is the point I'm trying to make here. Frankly, in a world with companies like Wayfair and all these other companies like an Amazon or a- another company that isn't thought of, a Best Buy that isn't necessarily thought of is online, tons of companies are online now. Just about any company, even small businesses, very, very small businesses, people with small websites are now shipping t-shirts out on their, their from their YouTube channels. They have small brands where they're shipping things online all over the country, all over the world. This idea of brick and mortar, that being the only way of taxation and collection, it's becoming outdated and it's sort of, it's also showing the sort of ridiculous notion of basing taxation on physical boundaries and just the general notion of taxation in general in my, in my estimation. Who is it? So just because this government says, hey, this is our territory and you happen to be in it, you owe us money. Now that the sort of physical boundaries are becoming more and more, or I should say less and less meaningful in the overall commerce department as we can more easily contact each other and more easily shift things, ship things, I should say. So are state governments. They're becoming less and less relevant as well. See, that's the big big secret that's coming out here. We really don't need these people. The state governments didn't invent any of these new businesses. They didn't invent the internet. They didn't invent FedEx. They didn't invent any of these new avenues that make it so much easier for businesses to run and operate at a smaller scale. All they're doing here is once again putting much larger barriers in front of small companies. And guess what? There are people out there who agree with me. This lady on MarketWatch named Tonya Garcia happens to agree with me, apparently. Or at least she found people who agree with me. Paul Garney, who is a state and local tax leader at Markham LLP, says, The smaller companies are going to have the problem. If you're Wayfair, they have a department to handle this and can hire a few people to do this for them. In other words, they've already got most of this infrastructure in place. But once again, you're going to have to hire a much bigger accounting department if you're not prepared for this type of thing. And if you haven't even gotten your business off the ground, that could easily be the difference between you deciding to go forward Or it could be the difference between succeeding for that first year or getting through that first year, that first five years, whatever you have to do. The point is, is once again, in the effort to level the playing field, quote unquote, that's really nonsense. What they're doing is supposedly leveling the playing field for state governments to collect more revenue. It has nothing to do with us, the actual producers, nor the consumers. This will raise the cost for consumers and producers alike. We're, we're, getting, we're getting screwed at both ends. And there's just no way around that. I don't know how you can possibly view this as a, as a positive ruling unless you're just desperate for an unending stream of state tax revenue. If you believe that that is the path forward to wealth production that is the only way you can really be happy with this ruling. And if you're for that, mm, please stick around because I will I will uh, divest you of that particular notion. All right, enough politics for now. Let's shift to culture for just a moment. A little bit more of a funny story here. I think it's quite amusing that the Miss America pageant, as most of you are probably aware, is dumping the swimsuit competition of their particular of their of the Miss America pageant. I find this amusing on a on a on at least one level. Now, if you want to say that the Miss America thing is outdated, ah, eh, okay, maybe it is. I don't know. That's not really the point I'm going to make. The point I'm going to make is. It just seems to me that the people who are most outraged, quote-unquote, or at least most vocal about getting rid of the swimsuit competition are really worried, most worried about changing human nature. It's not so much about Miss America or the silly pageant that people sort of have progressively cared less and less about in the last few decades. But let me tell you this. You can get rid of the Miss America swimsuit pageant if you would like, But you know what's not going away, ever, is the unspoken swimsuit competition that happens by every adult swimsuit pool throughout this world every weekend. See, my wife and I were down at the Lake of the Ozarks for our fourth anniversary a couple weekends ago, and we had a good time down at the adult pool drinking some beers, having a couple drinks, enjoying the DJ action. But mostly enjoying the people watching. See, that's the most fun part. Seeing the lake lizards, seeing what they're up to. Now that, lake people, now that is an interesting crew. Just people that don't go together, just everything you could possibly imagine. But the point is, there is an unspoken swimsuit competition at every single pool in America. And that goes for the guys too, by the way. If you don't think we're all, you know, pushing our chests out, sucking in our guts, standing up a little straight, maybe trying to get a little tan before we get out there, possibly fire off a few push-ups, get a, get a bit of a pump on, any of that stuff. You don't think guys are just about as vain, or at least they can be as vain as girls can be? Once again, go to the Lake of the Ozarks and tell me I'm not right. Again, this silly story is only to tell you that the people who are desperate to change human nature are never going to succeed. These people are way, way, way too uptight. What, what's the pro? Like, It'd be one thing if we were chaining women to a radiator and then putting them into a bikini. But it seems to me that young ladies who look good in swimsuits don't mind putting on swimsuits. Just like guys who happen to look good with their shirts off don't mind taking their shirts off. Funny. Funny how that tends to work out. Again, I don't know that that's changed for a thousand years and I don't think it's going to change in another thousand. And speaking of going against things that are natural, why do we even need a North American free trade agreement? You see, for all our hand-wringing about NAFTA, for me, I would just get rid of it. The United States should immediately withdraw from the North American free trade agreement because any agreement that is intergovernmental is anathema to free trade. You see, free trade does not require a treaty. In fact, a treaty can make free trade much worse. So, enough with that. President Trump tweeted out recently that a Harley Davidson should never be built in another country. Never. Well, frankly, who asked Donald Trump? It shouldn't be up to him where Harley Davidson is built. Now, I guess we could be kind here and say, when he says at the end here, the aura will be gone and they will be taxed like never before. He's saying that if they move to Europe. Now, at first, I took that as, oh, he's threatening to tax them? That's absolutely terrible. Maybe he's saying that they'll be taxed to death in Europe. I'm not really sure. It's hard to say what he means sometimes. That's one of the problems with the, with the president having a Twitter account. Eh, actually, I'll take that back. It's not so much the problem that the president has a Twitter account, it's that the president has so much freaking power that sending out a tweet can move the stock market, for example, by 500 points. Or it can move just people's thoughts and their day-to-day lives and their day-to-day feelings or their actions on a future business venture or something based on a tweet. It's probably not how we want things to go, but it's really not the Twitter account's fault. It's really just a symptom of how much power the president has if you look at what trump has been doing with executive orders been tearing them just tearing them out by the roots basically but the interesting thing is is whether you like this particular executive order or that particular executive order the idea that presidents can have this much power with their quote-unquote phone in a pen to be able to do this sort of thing to me that speaks to the whole problem when i hear people talk about the beauty of the checks and the balances of this country, I'm not so sure that I see a lot of checks and balances anymore. I've seen... During the Obama years, I saw, really, Congress cede so much of its power to the executive and the judicial branch ceding a lot of its power to the executive as well. And now we're seeing that come home to roost. We're seeing Trump with more executive power than anybody in history, along with Obama. I mean... W as well, obviously, grabbed tons of executive power in the wake of 9-11. So that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the results of this. And what's interesting to me is some of, I'm sure some of you like Trump, some of you like W, some of you like Obama who are listening to this. But the bottom line is is you don't like it when the other guy is shoving his values down your throat. Isn't that interesting? See, that's the problem to me. It's the nature of power. The nature of political power is that people can do things to nonviolent people that they wouldn't be able to do legally. No individual would be able to take your money, for instance, or force you to move your house under eminent domain without being thrown in jail, without any right-thinking person thinking that you're acting immorally. And yet... We, we collectively put that power into the hands of one entity. It's the ultimate monopoly. It's the monopoly of power, the monopoly of legal force, and the monopoly of law. That is the one thing that we should be as fearful of as all. Certainly among monopolies, that is the monopoly you worry about. You see, a private sector monopoly, quote-unquote, is just one business happening to be in a certain area. But the more successful that business is, and the more price signals go higher, and I say signals because that signals to everyone else, oh, this is a successful business, then magically people, other competitors will emerge bringing prices down. Finally, before we get out of here, I actually just want to share a quick sound bite with you all. It's a, it's a bite from ITV from 2003. It's actually a, an interview with Michael Jackson. And the reason this is, this is relevant is, of course, the passing of his father, Joe Jackson, in the last week or two. And I've noticed, other than I would say, I, I would give a lot of credit to, the, to Adam Carolla for having the guts, not only just recently... But over the years, he's pointed out what a despicable human being Joe Jackson is. And frankly, I've seen a lot of, in, in just the mainstream, I've seen in the news a lot of talk about, well, Joe Jackson, Hey, he had a complicated relationship with his kids. A complicated relationship. Oh, so complicated. That's the euphemism I've been seeing. But I don't know how complicated it was. Um, I would say that Michael Jackson was certainly a complicated person. Um, I don't know what happened with Michael Jackson and those kids. I don't, um, I, I, and I'm by, by playing this and, and having this commentary here, I'm in no way trying to excuse any horrible actions that Michael Jackson ever did with any children. So let's make that very clear. But I just want to say that Michael Jackson to me is less of a monster and more, of a psychologically broken human being who may have then became a monster. And the person who psychologically broke him was his father, Joe Jackson. And you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but you know what, I'm, I'm gonna make a, an exception for Joe Jackson and I'm gonna play the sound bite and I think you'll get a pretty good idea of why.
1: Not only were we practicing, we were nervous rehearsing because he sat in the chair, and he had this bell in his hand. And if you didn't do it the right way, he would tear you up, really get you. Dude. And I, I got it a lot of times, but I think my brother Marlin got it the most because he had a hard time at first, and he tried so hard. And um, it was always, do it like Michael, do it like Michael, you know. But the others were very nervous, and I was nervous too, you know. Because um, he was tough. How often would he beat you? Mm, Too much.
0: Now, just listen to his voice here. I think one reason I like to play this, I want to play this soundbite here. I'm just cutting it off right now. Is because it's easy to look at Michael Jackson and think, this guy's nuts. It's just, it's hard to look at that guy and think, he's nuts. It's hard to not just focus on his aesthetic but since this is an audio medium, what I want you all to really do here is listen to his voice. Listen very carefully. He still talks like a child. He is still stuck, as many abuse victims are, whether it's physical or sexual abuse, they're stuck in the time in which they were abused. This is something, I, I've. speaking of Adam Carolla, if you listen to Loveline back in the day, with him and Dr. Drew, this is something that they would often hone in on is the sort of childlike voice of an adult is a is almost always a sign of of previous abuse. And I just want you to hear this man I just want you to hear the voice and really really just just hone in on that.
1: Would he only use a belt? Why do you do this to me? <laughs> No, more than a belt. What else would he use to hit you with? Iron courts Whatever's around. Throw you up against the wall as hard as you could. Um, see, it's one thing to... But you were only a child. I know. You were a baby. I know. It's one thing to discipline... And you were producing successful records. I know. He would lose his temper. I just remember hearing my mother scream, Joe, you're going to kill him. You're going to kill him. Stop it. You're going to kill him. You know, and uh, and I was so fast. You know, he couldn't catch me half the time, but when he would catch me, oh, my God, it was bad. It was really bad.
0: So, wow, that was Joe Jackson, everybody. Quite a legacy he left behind, huh? Now, let's say, to be fair to Joe, what do you want to think the odds are that his dad beat the living crap out of him, too? Hmm. The cycle of violence, people. Not a pretty thing. Don't beat your kids. They need a safe environment. Sounds very simple. Sounds almost so simple it's kind of a stupid statement, but apparently some people need it said. You shouldn't beat the crap out of your kids. With a belt with an object, with anything. Now, if they're running out into the street and they're not listening to you, then you're allowed to give them a whack on the butt. Give them a couple whacks on the butt. It's more about humiliation then. Then they, they sort of get the message. But this sort of ritualistic beating as a, as a form of discipline, see, all that does is teaches your children that violence is a way to solve problems. And obviously, Joe Jackson thought that. He thought, I don't need to reason with my children. I don't need to convince them that they like music or get them to enjoy anything that I like. Like, hey guys, isn't it fun that we're all together as a family and playing together? No, I'm going to create an environment of absolute terror. That's an interesting psychological thing that humans do, isn't it? Not just on a small level, but on a global level as well. The idea of terror. hmm, And not just from terrorists per se. Really just think about that for a minute. Hmm. You know, I like to be a little lighter on this show, but that's a pretty heavy note to go out on. But w- we're going to leave it there because I want I want everybody to think about the idea of human beings and how we terrorize each other or use intimidation to get what we want. Hmm. Let's think about that. All right. Fun fun note to go out on. We'll, we'll keep it more fun next time, I promise. On uh, next time, the Everybody oh. Trades podcast. And hey, Happy Independence Day. Eat a hot dog, will
1: ya?